all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. All in the game. All in the game, City Talk 105.9. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey with you through until 7 o'clock. It is indeed very cold this evening, as uh, Steve Hothersall has just told you. So wrap up warm. It's all oh, hello. I love it when that happens. On it's City him again. He's going again. Every week. It's, it's, <laughs> it's Hothersall. Steve, Steve Hothersall's leaving the studio City there. It's 105.9. It's not going to stop. Radio City Sport. This evening from 7. Go on. Everton host West Brom at okay. Park. Okay. Don't worry about the table. Let's see what happens. What a goal! We're going to play it by ear. Oh, you, you, are you stopping it? That'll do. I was enjoying that, really. It was... Uh, well, there the adverts um, for about 20 minutes' time playing out there, so... Oh, excellent. So you've got a, you've got, you've got a sneak preview of that if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, this is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and David Downey. It is very, very cold. Steve Hoddersall is right to tell you that, and he's, uh, he's he's done so professionally, and with a thoroughness that I think you can only appreciate. If only you he know. left the studio in such a way. City Talk 105.9, Dave. That's the way we roll. Uh, there is... Uh, let's talk about Everton first, actually. We're going to talk about Everton first, because I want to talk about the fact that we said that the game against West Ham felt huge for Everton. Um... Everton are now in this really strange position, Dave. I want to see if you agree with me because I've seen Liverpool sides in this position in the past. Mm. Um, I've seen I've, there's lots of football teams that have been in this position in the past where there is a play and a standard to their football that currently isn't quite getting the results it perhaps deserves. But what happens in the next two, three games will dictate whether or not that playing standard will maintain. So you look at all the stats, all the stats are telling you that Everton shouldn't be where they are in the league in mm. terms of how well they play, how well they keep the ball, the opportunities they create, the opportunities they concede, even though they've been a little bit slack recently. All these things tell you Everton shouldn't be where they are. Mm. And it's these next two games, arguably these next two league games, which will define whether or not Everton get mired into the situation that they're in or whether or not they're able to rise above it. And this is the crux time to see whether or not the quality of the football is enough, as you saw against Manchester City, against West Ham, as has happened in previous games, enough to pull them away from from, from this. I'd, I'd agree to a certain extent, but the, the thing where we'll pull you up on is I don't think it's been anywhere near as consistent as that this season. There's been far too many times where that hasn't been the case. It's been patchy, um, hasn't it? And that's the key thing. Yeah, I think it, it's been unbelievably patchy. And we've yet to string together a game, Neil, where you, you've been able to say, perhaps Aston Villa at home where we won 3-0. You've yet to be able to put your finger on a performance where but, you can say, that's, that's Everton's playing well, that's Everton playing well, and that's Everton winning. Those two have not been married... Well, you, men- you mentioned Aston Villa, and this is the key, this is the thing for me. Aston Villa now, and I'm you know I'm very big on goals. Aston Villa have now this season still twenty. They've played twenty two, and I've only got um, I've only scored eleven goals. But the level with points with Everton, mm. and this is my point. Whereas Everton yeah. remain look like a potent force, they look like a side that has got goals in them. Normally, that's what defines you as a football team. That's what that's what kicks you up the table in scenarios like this. You know, you're looking at Hull. Hull can't buy a goal. You're looking at um, you're looking at Queens Park Rangers away from home. They've only scored five. Everton have scored thirteen away goals. Mm. You know, you look at the company that they're in beneath them. First and foremost, you know they've scored thirteen away goals. The nearest to them in the sides beneath them are Burnley and Hull, who've got ten. You look upwards, it's only until you get to Liverpool and the table anyone scored more away goals than Everton. It's things like this where Everton have got the stats, they've got the they've got the form to a certain extent to not be sitting on 22 points. They should be sitting on 27 points, 28 points minimum. This shouldn't be a problem. And this is where they've now, and I think it was the case for Liverpool recently as well, and Liverpool have put the results together. These next two games, if Everton had six points to that tally, everything looks completely different. They're, they're looking about 12th, and everything looks the way in which it should look, not just for this Everton side, but also in terms of everything they're doing. 
Yeah, yeah, that that's spot on. I would I would go along with that assessment. And uh, but that that's that sort of adds a pressure in itself. And the other fact that you know, yeah, it, it needs to be a minimum of, of, of uh, well, certainly four. Uh, over the next two games, because Palace away is going to be really, really difficult, considering how they've started underneath under Pardew and uh, tonight. Pulis loves a game on Merseyside, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> come here with Palace last season, and you know, by and large, outplayed us. Uh, West Brom, I've got that capability as well. West Brom aren't that bad in terms of a, a team with with sufficient enough players, um, which is why I think tonight's going to be a really, really tough game, um, and. You know, you, you look at it in context of a season as well. I mean, even six six points, where would that put us in the table? You say maybe conceivably twelfth. There's there's very little to play for from there for Everton. So it's important the motivation's kept up the Neil. Yeah. The, the 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 this squad, this team, this players, our fans need to keep it in their head that this season's not over by securing mid table mediocrity. It might well be. It might well. The, the probability is it'll it'll come to pass that Everton finish between well. Eighth, eighth, if they go on a great run, eighth and fourteenth, eighth and fourteenth. Um, you know, with, with a total of well, forty-eight to fifty something points, um, that's that's the likelihood of what's going to happen. It probably will happen. The important thing is let's get there as quick as we can because you can't do anything but look over your shoulder at this uh, at this moment in time, and it's a scary proposition. Thinking, well, you know, if results hadn't gone our way, I mean, Liverpool. To, to, the, it's the first time in many years I've looked at a football match when Liverpool played Aston Villa and thought. We need these to do us a favour, is it? You know, we need them to do us a favour. And uh, it was that case with um, who else were behind us? Burnley could have gone above us. Yep. We're talking Burnley, Neil. And, uh, you know, it's incredibly... It's gone beyond frustration. It's but gone. as it is, Crystal Palace went above you. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's it's so tight down there. And I think we're like six points off 11th or something crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, it's a situation that, well... I'd like to say I'm not used to, but you go back to the early days as an Evertonian. But then again, we were we're really good in derbies in the nineties, so maybe it won't be so bad considering there's one on the horizon. But looking at fixtures, Palace away next week, then the derby, then Chelsea away. Well, this is what I mean. I mean, six this is where the next is the absolutely next, vital. Well, that's where the next two points. It's the next two games. Sorry, if Everton can take six points, absolute minimum of yeah. four. But if Everton can take six points, what it does is it means the pressure's off. I don't think it would suit this Everton side at the moment. I think it suit this Everton crowd at the moment. Actually, if the Merseyside derby felt like a must-win game for Everton, mm-hmm. I think that that's something which they could very much do without. I think that it's something which would be, I think, which would disrupt a rhythm rather than create one. I think there's been Everton sides going back in the past where, you know, if that's the case I'm fearing the Merseyside derby, I'm looking at it thinking, well we know what's going to happen here, we know that, you know, Joe Royal's lads are going to come and absolutely smash into our boys here, we know that that's what we're going to be up against, whereas I don't think this Everton side is going to do that, and I think that's, that, in a sense that's, yeah. that's a positive about the fact that they're better footballers Everton's, uh, this Everton side doesn't have that in him, Neil, and that's, that's a terrifying thing for me, because, and I pointed out last week, that this side's unproven to come back from adversity under Roberto Martinez and that is a really scary unknown for us at the moment um, obviously you, you know you can point to the quality in the side you can point to the goals like you have you know you've just alluded to before you can pick out these you know positive things that Everton have got going for them which they have the one thing that we've yet to see is some bottle which well I say yet to see we really did see it in the cup game against West Ham I thought that was fantastic Everton made me proud to be an Evertonian again that night I thought we were brilliant Um and that, that's the first sign I've seen from it. So, you know, it, the jury's still very much out in that regard. And, and I think while it's still like that, then, you know, you, uh, I'm still fearful of the, of the worst because we don't know 
how this side responds. We know the players do underneath David Moyes, who's a totally different kettle of fish. Um, if there's anything we've learned from Martinez, he's the complete opposite to Moyes, so therefore we must question, I mean, we must not make that judgment until we see signs of it improving, which we did against West Ham. Um, hopefully tonight of a similar um, sort of display. And then you look at the way we've played as well, it's changed a little, and it's changed for the better. Uh, Man City... A few times we were direct. We give Lukaku on the we get Lukaku on the ball, got him to turn. Mangala was scared. He was yep. petrified of him. Lukaku ran him twice. Should have scored twice. Player the player looks hungry now. He he's going to epitomise Everton uh, in the in these crucial games coming up, as well as Kevin Morales coming off the bench uh, because by his own account he's not fully fit at the moment. Morales um, finally stood up and, be, and, and was counting nil. It's not something that's rare to him because uh, if we remember the four-one, the four-nil derby mm. last season, Morales was the one who come out of it. Very much so. Who, who we thought. I mean, credits. remember you pointing him out yourself, saying, you know, this lad's actually, you know, showed a bit of balls here to, uh, you know, to, to book the trend of how poor Everton are playing, and uh, we need that at the moment. We need that grit. We need that determination. We need Stephen Naismith. Um, he's going to be pivotal to our resurgence and has been so far as well. And now Eto's going. And now Eto's going, which is um, it's, uh, it's Everton, isn't it? That this, you can simply put that down, you know, in the category of this is what Everton do. This is Everton, aren't we? This is all them things Liverpool fans label as. This is very Everton. Played twelve games, reportedly after offering him a new contract if he plays fifteen. Bye bye, Sammy. It, it's uh, it borderline ridiculous. You know, throw into that mix Justin Bieber with well, Everton Kits and Sylvester Stallone at Goodison Park tonight. Then it's uh, well, it's just, all coming back to me to, to, to do the football for a second before we go to the break. Because <laughs> what we'll do is we'll come back. We'll talk about Everton Part Three as well. We'll do the build up for the game. But what I mean about that is that's losing a body, it's losing a pair of legs. Oh which yeah. When you've got because the other reason, key reason why it'd be lovely for Everton if they could take six points for the next two games. The other key reason why it'd be great for Everton if they could take ten from the next twelve. You know, which would which would be a major turnaround. But just imagine that they do for a second, Dave. Is that completely frees up the idea of a proper assault on the Europa League? Whereas what Everton don't want is by the time we get back to the around the it's the tenth, twelfth of February, that sort of time. What Everton don't want on the nineteenth, sorry, the first Europa League games, the nineteenth. If the results aren't right between now and the 19th, if Everton do, you know, only pick up three points from the next four or five games, if that's all that they can do in the next four or five games, Everton pick up three points, then it means your Sunday games with this Europa League, the pressure will be on even more. Everyone else will have played the Saturday. Yep. The pressure will be on game after game after game, and that's the key thing. That's why I think you know Everton takes six points from this next two games. Everton season is about achievement. Yep. Everton don't the season becomes about survival. You then find yourself looking at a scenario where, you know, it's still 40-point scenario, then get to 40 as quick as you possibly can. Yeah, that, that, I never even thought about it that way, Neil. That, that's how um, how my way of thinking has been shaped by these results recently. I haven't even thought about the Europa League. But if there's one sort of, you know, something to hang on to from this season, it is that. If we can get ourselves to relative comfort over the next half a dozen games and look at that uh, Europa League tie as a chance to salvage our season I think that could play a motivational role in itself Neil being the one thing the well, one token we can take away from this season is that we've been good in the Europa League we can draw on good past experiences in it so far this season and we can look to the fact that having secured um, a mid-table finish in the Premier League or looking to and not, not scared of doing so 
then you can approach that Europa League exactly. with confidence. Exactly, yeah, that's that. exactly right. And that's why these, these next two games, a win tonight, a win against Palace, and then suddenly the derby's on the horizon, the result in the derby is the result in the derby, everyone mm-hmm. can relax about that a little bit more, but then it's this idea of there's a run, there's a cup yeah. run we can have here, and I think that's what Everton needs, I think that, you know, that's th- this season, if it doesn't want to just become a mired season where you're wondering, you know, what's going on and hanging on, because I don't, I just, I still hang quite firmly to my opinion, Everton are too good to go down, but... But, you know, people have said that before and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But also, I think it's a key thing, which is you've got to, for Martinez's football to work, for people to buy into it, it's got to be about achievements. It's got to be about aspiring towards something. Mm-hmm. And where Martinez, Martinez has got a problem at the moment is that it doesn't feel as though, out of the cup now, out of the League Cup, obviously, doesn't feel as though there's a great deal to aspire to. That's what he needs. Yeah, absolutely. Look at the things you've mentioned about, you know, how good they've, they've played and the, the points don't reflect how well they've played. Martinez's uh, philosophy has come under so much scrutiny that it needs substance to prove what what the theory is. You know, it needs an end result. It needs um, a reflection of how well this this team plays, how well his philosophy works for Everton, and it's it's struggling to find anything of that um, kind of thing at the moment. And um, you know, you you've just got to look at last season in, in comparison. You, you look. There was an end. There was always an end product. There was a purpose. That I think that's the key word. Mm. There was a purpose to how we played last season. There was a purpose to passing the ball all the time. There was a purpose to us having x amount of hundred of the passes every single game. Now um, that you know, you, you look at the negative side of all of that that's coming to the fore this season. The passing game. There's no purpose to it. We're passing it and passing it and passing it with no purpose, no intensity, no intention of going forward at times, which is the really frustrating thing to see. Finally, and did I say it, that 10 men against West Ham, a sort of, you know, with a, with a shining example of how Everton should be approaching things, try and get the ball to Lukaku as often as you possibly can, by whatever means necessary, that means Neil as well. Mm-hmm. Not, let's put him in a channel, try and visit into his feet, He's holding the ball up as he should be now. He, he looks like he's come on leaps and bounds. There's been no no sign of his pro of his progress in that regard recently. That we we always questioned how well he holds the ball up for the size of the man. He should be doing it a hell of a lot better. Well, all of a sudden he is. He's actually being that player, and we need to play to that. We need to play to his strengths. I'd be so disappointed tonight if we approach this game and revert to type under Martinez tonight. I really would, because we found something that works and that's all that is important at this moment in time in the season it's not how we play take a take a page out of Liverpool's book at the moment Liverpool aren't fighting on all cylinders by any means the way they're playing it's based on industry at the moment you look at the, we mentioned the types of players Emre Chan, Markovic coming to the fore they've found something in, in their individual displays that have dragged Liverpool and won them games we need to win games we don't need to play well doing so we just need to win games all in the game. City talk one of five point nine after the break. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Lucas Lever jumping into the crowd. I think because why not? It's all in the game on City Talk one of five point nine. All in the game, City Talk 105.9, Neil Atkinson and David Downey with you until 7 o'clock. Um, Lucas Leiva's determination to one win football matches for Liverpool and two to get into the crowd is to be noted, uh, pushed off by a steward on one side, did the uh, the sly walk back like, all right, I'm not that bothered, and then absolutely launches himself on the other side. It's a real highlight of the weekend from a Liverpool point of view. It was fantastic to see, Dave. It was, it was a real relief. Relief's the wrong word. It was a real, that's that game won. 
and we've had to battle to win it. Mm-hmm. Bit of a celebration, and this is this is fascinating with one eye on this game coming up against Chelsea because there's something to be noted here, which is Aston Villa put Liverpool under real pressure for ten minutes, like real yeah. sustained. You're going to have to fight here, boys. Pressure. Well, there was almost inevitability that the, the, uh, the Villa were going to score, and I thought that's what we've seen come out in the uh, like you say, relief's probably the wrong word, but in in this year, passion I that think we've the- seen in those celebrations at, uh, at Lambert's goal. Um, you know, it's it's a case of oh, hang on, boys. We went stormy, and we've come out the other side bone dry. You know. Well, I think that's a big part of it. And I think that that I think they had done it anyway by seventy. I think Villa were terrific from about fifty-five to about sixty-five. In that, from about fifty fifty-five to about fifty-nine, they were ramping the pressure up on Liverpool. And then for the following five minutes, there was this proper sustained pressure. When Liverpool saw it off at sixty-five, I thought Villa's legs had gone. You know, you could see that how much that had taken out of them, and I think we we forget that in football matches at times that they just can't keep going at that yeah. pace. And I thought we got to about sixty five, and it really was like they needed to come. They, they'd gone. You know, when we got to, when it, it was about after about seventy minutes, when I thought Liverpool pretty much just very intelligently just got the ball in the Villa half and kept it there for for five minutes, and Villa were then having to chase shadows a little bit, and then they were like, they looked blow, you know, they'll blow yeah. out. What Liverpool didn't need, obviously, was the idea of a big last ten from Villa, which there would have been that had been a sustained rally as soon as that second goes in and that's the you look it, as a player if you celebrate like that and then you concede two you look completely daft <laughs> yeah. but I think Liverpool but I think as a player you've got a sense of your opponent whether it's your direct opponent or the team as a whole you know that when that second one goes in we've won this and yeah. that was and that was the thing Liverpool knew ten to go we've we've beaten these and I think that that's massive to have that relax to have that not relaxation but that sort of awareness yeah. in that moment I think that's suggestive of how Liverpool are growing it's the boxer that raises his hands before the fight's uh, won. Although he's got his opponents on the floor, isn't it? It's, it's that yeah. sort of feeling where you you, sort of, you you know you're all but there, yeah. I suppose. And uh, do you know the, the the real thing for me is Ricky Lambert's goal was absolute quality, by the way. His first touch is gorgeous. is immense. And then his finish. Um, I, I can't believe... I've been watching a lot of first year of football over the weekend that more wasn't made of that. Because it was a stunning finish, it really was, um, and it was great to see. It, it, it's pleasing to see, particularly with him, that somebody who looked like he was so low on confidence, and you know he, he looked like a fish. He, he's looked like the fish out of water many times this season. To see him have the audacity and confidence to pull off such a turn, and then a quality finish into the bottom corner. Um, you know, you, you can see how much he actually deserved that celebration, really. Yeah. And uh, all credit to him for that. I thought it was a really good goal. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, you look at those front two that we're looking at in the paper now, Barini and Lambert, as slightly different animals. You look at them and, and thinking, in in a you know, in a, a sense of them making a contribution. Well, this is the key thing. The, them being the slack alternative, the only other alternative, you know, they're not that now. Do you look at them and think these can have a positive impact? They're not just going to be the go-to option. Barini's performance was crackers in that, again, he just doesn't look, he doesn't look like he's at the level he should be at in general play at times. He really, you know, he's, he's, he's clearly so switched on tactically and this is almost part of the problem in that I think his brain, his football and brain's better than his football and feet. And this is a, you know, 
this is what the issue is. The issue is that he gets himself in, into good positions and involved in the play by his movements and by the fact that he, he's, he's doing what this shape needs him to do and he's finding the, the little pockets. And then even the good stuff he does, you know, he, when he, he, he puts Moreno through for the offside chance, that's his ball around the corner. He sort of trips over his own feet and playing it. Mm. You know, he manages to sort of, there's Lucas's header forward, which I think he just gets a little flick onto to put Sterling away for the, for the chance that Sterling, uh, Sterling tries to dink the keeper with and fails to do so. And he, he makes that look scruffy, you know. There's these little things where he really contributed, I think, to Liverpool's performance. It just doesn't look like, you know, you've gone from the... Stir- I mean, Suarez was a scruffy dribbler, but he's gone past three <laughs> by the time yeah, you know how yeah. scruffy he is. Whereas Barini's not gone past... He's lucky if he goes past one. Yeah. He, he, he gives you that sort of impression. And I, he's such a strange footballer in that regard because it's he's a, he's just such a proper throwback. You know, I, I didn't think the lad had ever make it as a number nine in this league, full stop, Not never even, even for Liverpool. And one goal doesn't mean he's made it as a number nine. But he he contributed against Sunderland and he's very much contributed there against Aston Villa in terms of the top line, which is he's put the ball in the back of the net. And even that, it's a fantastic finish. Mm. It really is. There's a lot still to do. And also, the very the very nature of the run, again, is indicative of his intelligence, that he knows Henderson, and it's a lovely ball, can get that ball to him. All of it is, it bodes well, while simultaneously you're looking at it thinking, you know, there is elements of, God, what might have been, mm. in terms of, you know, Liverpool having a centre-forward who, genu- who, who deserves to be considered an elite centre-forward this season, which we just simply haven't had on the pitch. Yeah. And that's where he is. So he's, you know, there's a bittersweet quality to, to, to what he puts out there, and, and there's no is doubt. Is he still a means to an end, though? Oh, he very much is. I mean, I wouldn't start him against Chelsea because I think he'd get eaten up. I think, And I think that what has happened against Chelsea is they push, they just pushing him. Uh, they just have the attitude of, well, he's not going to run him behind. So they just push and push and push on him. So Liverpool would end up with the play squeezed with the bulk, the size of Chelsea. I'd like to see start I'd start Sterling up top for that for that reason because if nothing else, you can't you can't push up on Sterling because you can run him behind with or without the ball. And so I think that there's Sterling at least concerns you more. And this is where I think Liverpool at the moment are set up quite nicely to play against. I'd say you you know three quarters of the teams in this division I think they've got a, I think the shape works I think it bamboozles these players that they come up against I think it gets the best out of a number of Liverpool players I think it turns battles there's an easy way to play to try to play against this and Villa did it to a certain extent and they got one really good clear cut chance but basically your battle your battlers become Sacco Skirtle Lucas and that's what you want you want those to be your battlers mm. whereas I think when you come up against a better side, and I'm worried about tomorrow night against Chelsea, because I think a better side doesn't doesn't try and go toe to toe, and instead finds the gaps that there is by by necessity. There's gaps in every shape, but a flat four at the back, a lot, the gaps are all in front of it. Mm. Um, whereas uh, my concern with a with a three is the gaps are to the other side of it, and then they're in little pockets in front of it as you well. Stick with that three against Chelsea. Well, I wouldn't, but. But well, it's dead easy for me to say that. Like, like it's a football manager. Like, you know, yeah, like it's a computer yeah, yeah. game. I wouldn't we because a different button. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the, 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 they've been working on that shape, and it's it, a lot of it's down to what the manager feels is right for their confidence. Because what does he want to say to them? This thing you've been doing that's worked really, really well. Um, I'll change it because it's these. Does he want to put his side on the back foot in that sense? There's managers who I think find that sort of decision easier because that's the sort of manager they are. You know, a Mourinho does find that sort of stuff easy, e- mm. easier but he's managing different types of players and he's and he's, he's managing them as Jose Mourinho for a period of time whereas Brendan Rodgers is Brendan Rodgers mm. and he is so much about imbuing his players with confidence and the freedom to go and play and to express themselves so that that's 
you know, fundamentally, Brendan Rodgers is in the dressing room, and Brendan Rodgers has got to live with the consequences of the decision he makes on Wednesday morning. Whereas if you just ask me, I just get to go up, lad, change it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. but we, we all do that. We all do that as football supporters. Uh, but I would be happier if I thought Liverpool were playing a flat four. I would be happier if I thought that that mm. was the case. But I don't think we'll see a change. It's you talk about how strange Berini is. I thought that, uh, I think that's sort of reflection of Liverpool as a whole at the moment, Neil. Because uh, we had a great tweet in when, when I was in the studio in here on on Saturday, saying that wow, Liverpool are the form team in the league, but it certainly doesn't feel like it. And it, it does have that sort of flavour to it, doesn't it? At the yeah. moment, it's like it's a it's a different sort of animal than what we've seen. Every, certainly last season in terms of the fluency of the play but you know you, you look at every element of this team and you think it, it's sort of it's almost like a, you know a, a, a distorted Peyton isn't it, it it's like yeah, it, it's not pretty on the eye but it's effective you know it'll still sell for a lot of money that that sort of thing every, every victory is hard fought I think that's the key thing yeah. you know there's not this yeah, and it doesn't take much for that to be different. I don't think it takes much for that to be different. I mean, you know, you even saw it in a sense in a little microcosm against Swansea and that Liverpool got to 2 0 and then managed to find some way to put themselves in a corner and then managed to get out of it and look great. Mm. But on the whole, all of these victories have been hard fought, hard yeah. fought and I think that's the thing. Is that refreshing for you? Because well, it's, it's just you look, you, look, you look at last season, we're just you know blowing teams out of the water after 10, 15, 20 minutes. You look at a different way of winning a football match. That to me as a supporter, it, it reinvigorates my faith in the manager first of all because it's an alternative way. You know, it's it, it's showing and, and the dreaded plan B term. It's not that, but it, it, it's showing that you know you can adapt to a, st- a different style of play that are being brought on you because you've got sides that know how Liverpool played last season. They're going to try and negate that threat that Liverpool had last season. Very much so. You're finding a way of coping with that and counter uh, counter attacking it. Very much so. But I'd say that the other side of this is it's a straightforward. That I think it becomes completely different if you've if Daniel Sturridge is number nine. I think it's completely different. You think it's more akin to last season, if that's the case. Yeah, I do. I think because I think you just create. Because I mean, Liverpool created, they created five or six very good opportunities against Aston Villa. Mm. They should have gone in half time against Sunderland. They really should have gone in four 0 up, and you know, for, and that's not a trite pulling a figure from an air. That, that it's four cracking chances that Liverpool have between them over the course of the half. And you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, it's not just Berini because it's not just Berini who misses. Gerard misses one, but Gerard, if Gerard's missing and it's two 0 when he's striking it, does he relax more? Does he? You, do you know what I mean? These things. Breathe Confidence breeds, yeah. breeds, breeds confidence in front of goal in the whole side. If you, you know, if your number nine's doing the business for you, everyone plays better and everyone goes up a gear. And I think it's as straightforward as you know. The, the, the key thing for me at the weekend is Burini is flawed. He's played well and he's done his job in that he's put the ball in the back of the net. He's flawed. Lambert's flawed, but he's played well and he's done his job. He's put his ball, put the ball in the back of the net. And I think this season Liverpool have had a problem in terms of whoever they put in that position hasn't been able to do the job that they need to do. And I, th- I really do think that if Liverpool had had an available Daniel Sturridge, um, for and but it's important to say such a thing wouldn't have happened anyway. It's not you know Daniel Sturridge gets injuries. But if Liverpool had had an available Daniel Sturridge or someone who's ninety percent as good as Daniel Sturridge as, as the number two striker beneath him, then I th- but it's similar to Sturridge. Then I think you're looking at you know I really do think you're looking at Liverpool Liverpool's points total currently being around Southampton's minimum. Can you say the same thing about the defence as well, Neil? Because you you know you're talking about players coming in not doing the job, and, and I think I read a, a good stat the other day that uh, Lovren and. Ballot, not, is it Balotelli? It was somebody else. Lovren haven't been involved in any of Liverpool's past thirteen. I think something like that. Or the last thirteen games Liverpool have won, hmm. um, he, he hasn't been part of it. Um, you've identified them as a as a problem, a, a long term problem. As in, you don't think he can get any better or improve. Um, 
lately, but you know, you look at that back three. Is it in terms of looking at in relating it to Berini again? Is it Liverpool have, have sort of stumbled away and found a way to sort of get something that's that's there that that's solid and that you can build on? I think if 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 a centre forward, if one of the other centre forwards had come in and performed the way Sacco has at centre back, then I think he'd have five goals. If you know what I mean yeah. across those games, because I think yeah, if you equate it, because I think Sacco has been a real made a real difference. I still think he's got, and this isn't about his technique. I think it's about his concentration. Lots of people talk about his distribution. I think he's still got one mad one in him across a ninety minutes in terms of either going to ground too quickly or playing something. But it's really important to point out he's 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 not yet twenty five. You know, so let's let's yeah. allow that. Let's allow the lad to be to be in 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 real terms. You know, most most <clears throat> centre halves of top clubs don't get chances till the twenty five. You know, he's done the PSG stuff. He's now at Liverpool. I think if Liverpool had had a, had a striker who come in in the, these games as he's defended and played up front to the same level, then he has five goals to his name. And I think that's the key difference. I think. Barini and Lambert very much feel like placeholders. Barini, Lambert and Balotelli, they wrote an article today for the Anfield Rap. Barini, Lambert and Balotelli, I'm perfectly happy with all of them in Liverpool's squad if they're the number four striker. Who's your number two and who's your number three? Mm. And that's, the, that's where Liverpool's problem's been. They're all... You've seen enough now to see how they could all be adequate as number four on that list. There's more than enough evidence for all of them, to be fair. Certainly Lambert off the bench, I think, especially looks like he can offer you something. He can hold the ball up. He can be a, he can be a presence. But I think Barini's shown enough to say, you know, he can he can go to... It's two away games, by the way. These haven't been home games. It's yeah, two away games right, yeah. at Sons London Villa yeah. where he's led the line. He's been battered around the place because that's what happens and that's fair enough. But he's done... He's done He's done okay in terms of what he's what he's brought to the team tactically minimum. He could be a number four, but you're in this position where some combination of storage is number one, and so some combination of Balotelli, uh, uh, Barini, and Lambert are two, three, and four, and that's what's unacceptable, and that's what has really hurt Liverpool. Whereas I think the Sacco Lovren thing is, I, I, I simply do think that the manager. Felt he needed another centre half in the summer. A variety of reasons why he felt he needed another centre half in the summer. He's ended up with with Lovren. Uh, Liverpool paid a lot of money for him, and I think that across the board, I think firstly, if you're going to do the transfers the way Liverpool do the transfers, then someone there should be a policy in place of don't spend twenty million on a centre half when you haven't solved this centre forward issue. Mm. You know that that's it's Lovren annoys me and Balotelli annoys me in that I think they're both wrong, but it's all right that people get signings wrong. Because everyone gets signings wrong, but I think they're wrong for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. and I think that's my that's my beef with both of them. The wrong for the wrong reasons, not wrong for the right reasons. Uh, for instance, Juan Sebastian Veron, who United spent twenty seven million fo- million on over ten years ago now, you know that that is equivalent to spending fifty million quid on him. He's a complete flop, but he's wrong for the right reasons in that they were looking to change the way in which they play to yeah. play in a more continental manner so on and so forth you could see you can see what it was meant to be about as opposed to as opposed to simply I think basically going I don't like the results I've had with these centre-halves or we've had with these centre-halves if it's the entire committee let's just lash another centre-half in as opposed to with Balotelli my god we need another big name forward because we haven't boxed this off and time's ticking on that's yeah. what I mean by being wrong for the wrong reasons. If Lurix Liverpool panic, doesn't it? Yeah, Balotelli, Lurix a panic, and but uh, Lovren feels like basically who's the best centre half in the Premier League last year that we can get. Not firstly, you know, do we? Is there a different way we can play if that's what we want to do? But also, it's then throwing money at that problem. It's mm-hmm. then looking at that defence as a problem and saying let's flash cash on it rather than saying, well, firstly, do we actually need to deal with it as though it's a problem? As long as things stay right at the other end, can we see a progression? A, a, 
a progression there with the players that we've currently got, specifically with Sacco. Um, mm-hmm. And at the other end of the pitch, it, it does feel a little bit like with the Balotelli thing. And it is a shame because this is this has impacted a lot on Liverpool's season. But all that said, it sounds like I'm being miserable because basically Villa was a great away day. Yeah. It's a great performance. It's great to see your team battle like that, like you said before, the idea of a big battling, gnarly 2-0 mm. win away from home. You know, They're the best wins. They are the best wins away from home. Everton did exactly the same, funnily enough, 2-0 away at Villa last season. And they feel great. Yeah. They really do feel great. And and, and it helps that it's Villa. You know, there's 40,000 of them there. They're screaming and shouting. They're getting in there. It helps that Villa had that flurry. You know, what made yeah. that goal feel so... If, if, if it had just been a dead game you go well. You know, they yeah, did not yeah, for much. Yeah. Whereas you got to walk out the ground and say, I tell you what, three or four of those are pretty good players. It's, it's the puff in the chest out type of performance, isn't it? The one thing I did want to ask you about, I know we haven't much time before we go to a break, uh, Lucas Lever, the man that won't stay down. No. He's been different class again, Neil, and he's approaching that form that we saw a couple of years ago, but he's adapted it to maybe, what would you say, uh, the, the, the physical sort of... He's, efficiencies that he has now than compared to back then. Yeah, he's he's, he's got less pace and yeah. I think he's slightly less slightly less strong but in far general more his body. But he's, I think he's having to. He, I think he was always intelligent, but I think that when you've got pace, you don't have to necessarily use your intelligence as much. Or it's a different form. It's yeah. a different. I think now. But I think the crucial thing is I don't think you can talk about Lucas without talking about Henderson, mm. and I don't think you can talk about Henderson without talking about Lucas. I think in the now it's now only you know it feels like it's more than this, but it's now four games to play together in central midfield for Liverpool as a, as a two in there, but they. It feels like such a natural pairing. They've each got what the other needs to have around him, and I, I really would just simply be keeping. Was that lateral horizontal movement you were talking about? Isn't it? Yeah, it's, they complement each other perfectly. They really do, and I think that, and I think that they're enjoying the football with one another. And I, I, I think that the key thing is. I mean, I've already got one eye on the Bolton game. Liverpool have got to play a first eleven against Chelsea. Um, they can make one change, two changes. Max, but they've got to play a first eleven against Chelsea. I think they can have a look at the Bolton game, and there could be an opportunity there to maybe bring Lovren back in, look at Emre Chan in midfield, something like that. Because I think that the key thing is, I do think Lucas, not exactly like Gerrard, but Lucas does need a little bit of managing. So you're going to ask because you're going to ask him to play. Obviously, he's played the league game. He's going to play Chelsea. Does he need to play Bolton, or can he just angle? If certainly if the tie is still very competitive against Chelsea, do you just say to him, save your legs? Mm. You're going to go against Chelsea because we're going to need you against West Ham in the league. I don't think, and I feel the same also possibly at centre half one way or another because I think what's really important for Liverpool is to remember last season we had a run of games in December which culminated in Chelsea away and Sacco was playing centre back and he strains, he pulls his hamstring which puts him out for six weeks and one of the reasons why he couldn't get quite back into a rhythm second half of the season was he got that injury. So it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool rest that Bolton fixture. And Lucas Lever should be one of the the first names to give a rest to, yeah. to let him have a, just let him have that extra break, so that when it gets tough again, because it is, because you know the way in which this now goes is it goes, you know, it goes Chelsea home, Bolton home, midweek again is Chelsea away, then it's West Ham at home, then it's the Derby, then it's Spurs midweek, then it's another game yeah. I can't think who it'd be. Oh, fifth round of the cup if Liverpool get there, and hopefully they do, and then Besiktas. So this, <clears throat> excuse me, this Bolton game coming up could be the last opportunity because Lucas Lever is crucial to Liverpool Football Club. Does this make fitting Gerard back in a big, big problem now with those two playing so well effectively in the middle of the park? No, I think it doesn't against... Um, I don't think it does in the next two games, actually, in the next three. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of it depends on whether or not you feel as though we could do Chelsea, Bolton, Chelsea, but I don't think you bring him back in the middle of the park. Would you sacrifice for him or do you simply just put Barini. him in the two of them? You, you, you 
pull him back. You put Breen, you put you put him where Sterling. Yeah. Right? If he's fit, you put him where Sterling is, and you put Sterling, uh, and you put Sterling up front. And, uh, and for the Chelsea game, you rest Barini. That's what I'd do, and then I bring Barini back in for the Bolton game, mm. um, and then drop him back out again for the Chelsea game, and then arguably bring him back in again for the West Ham game, yeah. and just keep looking to to protect certain players' legs, and also protect. I think it's important to protect Barini in terms of letting him play and play well and put the ball in the back of the net I think if Barini I'm not saying Barini's going to score you know one and two from now for the rest of the season but I think if Barini can get going you saw it last season with Sunderland if he can get him going as a footballer yeah. he can he can, he can, can find the net he's a momentum player he? he's a very Hugely. very uh, built on momentum confidence ok ok we're going to have to go to the break unfortunately this is all in the game Neil Lackington and David Downey don't go anywhere though because I think we've got Alan Irwin after the break Carlos have we got Alan Irwin is Carlos even listening to us he's not we've got Alan Irwin after the break excellent yeah. stuff we'll talk we've talked to him at Goodison after the break all in the game we're going right the way through till 7 o'clock for you it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9 all in the game City Talk 105.9 Neil Atkinson and David Downey with you until 7 o'clock at which point you can switch over to Radio City Sports and enjoy the privilege of listening to Mr Alan Irwin who's going to be joining us now from Goodison Park I'm going to ask him the question I always ask him it's unfair on a Monday night that I do this to Alan Irwin but uh, any team news? <laughs> it is unfair, Neil. It is unfair. Do you ever have your Alan? They will tell you. <laughs> no. The swines these days. clubs like to keep things top secret, don't they? In every aspect yep. of their whole financial management, the players, transfer dealings, you name it. We never <laughs> even know what we're going to eat until we turn up here in the press room, I tell you. What, 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 Everton <laughs> football club should be conforming to your broadcasting prowess by now, Al. <laughs> yeah. You are the voice of Everton. They should be telling oh, you team dear. news first thing in the morning. They should be, shouldn't they? I, I can tell you one thing Aidan McGeady's not playing well <laughs> I think we'd be saying that even if he was eligible to wouldn't we hey, no, 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 no. <laughs> well I would anyway <laughs> I think uh, should we, do, should we go, with, go with what we know or what we can say we probably know Al yeah um, John Stones is going to play yeah uh, that's massive for Everton I think at the moment so is the skipper so is the skipper Jackie Elka so that's a solid central defensive partnership Robles the interesting one for me Al he, uh, he looks like he's actually staking a claim to be at Everton longer than this season yeah well, I did say to you a few weeks ago we're yeah. very early to judge in this country aren't we absolutely people are expected to perform miracles from day one on their arrival in the country I know he'd been in England before with Wigan but uh, sometimes it can take time to settle you're playing with different players in front of you communication can be an issue but um, one swallow doesn't make a summer either Dave so uh, in that sense you know shouldn't be too quick to judge that he's no. a suddenly you know the man to wear the the goalkeeper's jersey forevermore absolutely no I mean I, I thought some of his uh, efforts at the penalties were absolutely pathetic as well uh, by, the, by the same token he was uh, he was fantastic in the uh, yeah. 120 minutes wasn't he so he, I think he's one of those goalkeepers who hmm. you probably find consistency comes in the short supply I think he might be one of those that can infuriate you from uh, yeah. time to time Dave but uh, I think we're still in the market for a keeper I think we have to be yeah. um, competition for the, for these two really um, you know Tim Howard won't be you know resting on his laurels will he he, he needs to be um, well he needs to have competition throughout the course of a campaign doesn't he mm. so uh, I think we should still be after a keeper and, and rumour has it we are yeah. I think the, 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 the reason why I mentioned Stone straight out there Al is he had one ropey moment against West Ham but other mm. than that he was he, he was well, excellent nearly made to pay for that ropey moment he, yeah he wasn't only made to pay for it but you know it's important to keep faith with young players and especially young defenders you know I think big clubs in this country yeah. have got a terrible record of bringing young defenders through well Roberto um, Martinez will do exactly that Neil won't he he will keep faith he, he, he encourages 
encourages his, his, his youngsters to play in that way. And if they have made an error, he'll say afterwards, look, I know it sounds silly to say this, but he'll say, don't worry about it. You yeah. know, we get on with the game, we learn, and we go again next week. And that's the important thing. And, and tonight, I think, with the way in which we can expect West Ham to play, it's a different challenge from Carroll for him. It's Berahino's pace and cleverness around yes. the area, that little bit of spark that he's got. But the key thing here is, you know, what's impressed me watching Stone's last couple of games has been the fact that what, what Dave was talking about before, there's a huge amount of purpose in the way in which he brings the ball out. He's getting Everton starting from the back. And I think Distan and Jack Yelka in the last one we've been criticising or when people have been criticising Martinez mm. one of the issues is they're slightly they're slightly reluctant to take a couple of risks at the back to be that sort of to have that sort of dynamism whereas Stones is prepared to get Everton going and that could be massive tonight if Pulisic side sit in I think you touch on an important area of the field for Everton it is the need for somebody to carry the ball over the halfway line out of defence and yeah. you know if you go back a number of years you know he's almost Alan Hansen-esque isn't he the way he carries the ball forward and, and tries to start things off. He's not afraid to do so, but I suppose it, he's given that license to do so by Roberto Martinez, but in essence, you've got to have somebody who's prepared to fill in and cover it if something does go awry at the other end uh, behind you, if you do make an error. So the likes of McCarthy uh, and Barry are prepared to do that, and Besic likewise. We've been singing applause to Lukaku as well, Al. I think he's, uh, he's turned the corner, hasn't he, in the last few games for Everton. And it's no, it's no coincidence that when you actually give him the ball, more <laughs> often he's turning and he's doing what he's good at yeah sounds like he's demanded the ball more yeah. often and uh, I want to see more of that working. from him as well some more aggression yeah I think that you know he's still only a youngster isn't he yeah. and, and uh, you know if he's got a bit more authority about him then maybe you know other players will actually yield to that and, and give him the ball in the areas where he wants to receive it I think that's important as well he's, ma he's made runs in the past and uh, the ball's come nowhere near him but now he's getting the ball in the areas where he can pose yeah. a threat and he can do that today can't he with the likes of Macaulay and Lescott as the two centre-backs I think if you get Lukaku turning those players and having a run at them he's got a, a damn good chance of, of finding an effort on goal I think the key thing in, in, in a lot of conversations Evertonians are having at the moment and it's for both you and Dave this out you know I think what's noticeable is it's Everton's young players who are stepping up and for instance the idea that Lukaku's demanding the ball more that he's that he's prepared to he's prepared to be a big you know a big player in the dressing room in that regard yeah. Stones seems integral on the pitch McCarthy's key to all this Barkley's an ongoing project for Everton that he's, he, he's such a talented that, footballer don't we, don't we? well we, a lot of pe young people people criticise young players as, the, as them being shrinking violets whereas if Everton can weather this little storm take four or six points from the next two yeah. you know it's now a different dressing room almost because it's about these young players mm. and it's a real basis for Everton to build into the second half of the season yeah and it's about keeping players fit as well and trying to get a, a sort of steady 11 and one that can play week in week out I know that doesn't happen too often throughout the Premier League but if Everton can keep players a little fitter than they have done in the first half of the season I, I think they certainly have got a, a real shout of, of finishing in the top half which you know to be talking like that at this stage of the season you, you wouldn't have envisaged really you know when the season got underway we'd have said we're going to be pushing for European football but now we are looking over our shoulders and you know it, it's pivotal tonight that Everton get a result with the, the games that you've mentioned coming up but I seem to be repeating myself because I remember saying this exactly um, <laughs> when we were heading into the Christmas period yeah. with games against Southampton, Stoke, Newcastle, um, which I was expecting to pick up points from, but uh, not the case. Just quickly, Al, do you expect Morales to come in as the automatic replacement for McGeady? 
it makes sense, doesn't it? I, I really can't see uh, anybody else as the, as the straightforward uh, swap. I, I would think if there is going to be a change tonight, there has to be one. I think that that should be the only one, really, because yeah. I don't think um, McCarthy is fit as yet. Uh, we're still missing the likes of, uh, of Leon Osman. Darren Gibson's not back. Stephen Pienaar doesn't appear to be fit. Atsu's away, isn't he, on, uh, on African Nations Cup duty. And uh, Oviedo came on as a sub at West Ham. He can do a job, but I'd, I'd certainly go with Morales because he, he had a real influence on the game when he when he came onto the field at Upton Park. And I, I think if we can get a, a good hour, 75 minutes out of him tonight, then uh, this game could be won. And we'll let, uh, we'll let Alan disappear, get himself a cup of tea, get himself settled. Radio City from 7 o'clock. Take it easy, I'll have a and lovely City evening. Talk, and it? City Talk. But I'm it's sure a dual, that to you last it's, time. It's a dual, bro <laughs> it's a dual broadcast. Uh, I'll dual broadcast uh, across two networks because one network can't hold them. That's Alan Irwin uh, with you from 7 o'clock there. Let's get very, very quickly from Dave Downey then as we get to this prediction. 1-0. Everton? Everton, yeah, 1-0. Uh, I'm going to go with 2-0 Everton. I got 2-0 right on the Anfield wrap at the weekend. That's all in the game this week. Stay on here. Go to Radio City, do what you like. Listen to Everton.